The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. I'm Darren Karp. And I'm Liz Cully. And we have a very special guest today. The one, the only, with her own neon sign, Fortune Feimster, everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need a neon sign. Where'd you get that neon sign made, Fortune? I don't, there's like a, I think it was like a place downtown. And yeah, they're like, neon having, signs, like, we got you. If you're having a shitty, like, bad day, do you turn that shit on and you're, like, you bask in your own glory of light? Like, is that, is your own personal hype man Pretty right much. Well, what's, fun, what's funny is that I never thought about it. I don't ever turn it on. And now that we're in a pandemic, I'm doing everything out of my office. And so every Zoom, every anything, this is behind me. And I have... This has been a centerpiece of conversation for the last two months. <laughs> it's like every interview you do, it's the beginning of every, yeah. you know what I mean? Like every exactly. conversation. Um, Fortune, we like to ask our guests right at the beginning how you identify. Would you be okay answering Of course. That? I identify as ma'am. <laughs> the only woman to All ever right. actually say that who's under 75 congratulations yeah i identify as she i'm i'm a a, a date i'm a dainty lady i know i don't look like it but i am your um, inner spirit is a dainty yes. lady though is that what you're saying okay well, that's why we have to call her ma'am and so ma'am uh how would you identify sex from a sexuality perspective uh, lesbian for sure I love all the lesbian stereotypes, Crocs, moving what in, Bir- Birkenstocks, <laughs> plaid, tool belts. I'm not, however, I'm not, I, I'm not handy and I don't like camping. So those. Oh God, camping yeah. is terrible. So that may- I don't understand why you would ever want to go out. Like, why don't just go to a hotel? That's what a hotel is oh, for. Oh, for sure. You go like, you can glam. I'll go like fishing or hiking and then you go to a hotel. So you're like a lesbian during the day and a heterosexual at night. And I have have a little bit of gay man qualities too. In what capacity? Um, Sense of humor. I'm very, I feel like gay men have the, they're just the most open with humor and comedy. They have a dark sense of humor and they're sarcastic and dry. I feel like in humor, I identify with gay men. The things they think are funny, I also think are funny. I'm not as... Um, bitchy as some some gay men can be, you know, a little catty. I'm not like that, right? But I love like musical theater. I know th- this is like stereotypes <laughs> to like nth That's degree. real. Yeah, you're really hitting e- it. Every every stereotype known to man. I'm saying, but I do love a good musical. I love their interior, like their interior design taste. Anything that I see decorated by a gay man, I'm like, yeah, I'm into that. I mean, you have a really pretty wallpaper situation behind she didn't do you. It herself, though. She's not handy. Yeah, she's not I handy. love going we to Palm know. Springs where there's gay men everywhere. They're just fun to like okay. hang out with and talk to. And and so speaking of gay men, how do you two know each other? Speaking of gay men. Gay men the fuck? I think we met a stand-up um, show. Oh, there's like gay nights, gay night stand-up shows, right? Wasn't it something like that? No, this is how we met. Well, that's how we like talked for the first time. The first time I ever saw Fortune Feimster, I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> you were getting famous because you're very famous now, but this is oh, when you were getting so, famous. I can't leave my house. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, no one can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nobody can. <laughs> I've been staying at home since before it was safe. You're like, God, these fucking paparazzi. Um, that's right. I went to the Abbey to a Sunday fun day. Oh, yeah. And Fortune, remember? Yeah, Fortune was sent. I was with Paige, I yep, think. Yep, yep. And you were sent a bottle of champagne. I was sent and a bottle like, of vodka. In- oh, okay. And I don't <laughs> really drink vodka. Yeah, I mean, who the fuck? Drink- well, gay men drink <laughs> I vodka. I drink vodka? What the fuck are you talking I, about? I, well, that's, that's like, like the only drink I drink. I love whiskey, bourbon, uh, and tequila. Those are really the only drinks I like. So Damn, someone was hard. very kind enough to send vodka. and But, but yeah. then it looks like I'm this party, like I'm the party person. Because, you know, at the Abbey, like the seven people like bring your one bottle of vodka with like f- fireworks 
and streamers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I had a parade come to the table with vodka. And, you know, those bottles, I'm sure, are like $400 or something. <laughs> and for something that at Costco was like yeah. 30 bucks. And, I know, and it was so, so nice. This guy said it was so nice. But I just was kind of like, what's happening? <laughs> And so it, it appeared that I was like being some baller. The life of the party. <laughs> yeah. I think you were balling, but I basically looked at Fortune and she's kind of like awkward, like gets the bottle presented to her, almost like <laughs> I gifted a child. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? And I very, very Liz Cully was like, yeah, don't open up that bottle. Like if someone's going to say, because Fortune was kind of like, okay, well, let me like pour yeah, it for like, everyone. everyone. I was like, I don't was pour it for like, you. Hey, just get whoever wants a drink, just make it. <laughs> and wait, what was your point, Liz, not for her to do that? Yeah, I was kind of like, make those hussies oh. with the sparklers open up that. <laughs> she was being very <laughs> hospitable because she's from the South. And I was like, don't do that. And then. We well, and she did, doesn't like vodka, yeah. so she's like, just exactly, get it out of my face. So, I don't know, I think that's like where we met. Met, and then okay. to your point, I had gone to a couple of her shows, which are hysterical, and yeah, and then I kind of we just you know, it's the small yeah. world out here in West Hollywood. LA becomes a small world after a while, especially in the community, you just sort of start running into people and be- become friends and, how- and friendly with everybody. Yeah, it's like a small, that's, it's, I live in New York City and that's kind of the same thing here. It's like, it's a big city with, you know, eight, nine million people, mm-hmm. but I run into people all the fucking time. Like I take subway trains with people I see oh, all the really? time, especially in the, fe- in the female gay community. Yeah. Yes. And it's wild. I don't know if you're just paying attention to it more right. or, you know, what's happening, but I want to actually take it fortune femesters life way way back and find out like your sort of gay trajectory right like how old were you when you came out and um when was sort of your first realization that you that you might be gay or how did you quantify that in your mind well in hindsight obviously for all of us we look back and we go day one you know (laughs) you're like (laughs) yeah right from the beginning but uh because i was from the south and and i was from a small town of like five or six thousand people uh conservative north carolina it wasn't a place where there's like gay people are bad it's just that no one talked about it it just wasn't a thing that was prevalent i didn't know any out gay people and there wasn't access to like gay shows there wasn't like i even talk about my special there was no youtube like i just didn't see myself represented so it honestly never occurred to me for a very long time that I was gay so I ended up not even coming out till I was like 25 which seems crazy in hindsight <laughs> um and I was living you know and did you not did you not have any sexual experiences before no. that like did you not even kiss a girl Mm-mm. or like feel like oh I like this woman no I was such a late bloomer in in okay. it dating all that stuff. Uh, cause in high school, you know, in the years, those years when people are really dating and figuring out who they are and getting to practice, um, dating, I, I just didn't have that rapport with guys. Like I would meet a guy and we would immediately be high-fiving. That was like the vibe we were putting out with each other. Cause you know, it's all about pheromones and right. And things that you can't even explain chemistry yeah Yeah. and so as a in high school you just are like oh why why because like that's the thing i i think about with gay people like we're being rejected before we even realize it and you know and so you're getting told no and without even really getting told no you just know that these guys aren't looking at me in the same way they look at so and so and you don't know why you just and then you so it but you turn it inward and you think, what, what's wrong with me? Like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> so like I went through phases where I was like, maybe I should wear like, um, tank tops. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't tank tops will do yeah, it. Yeah. You know? tank tops will do and it. then uh, <laughs> nothing would change. And I go, well, it wasn't the tank top. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I just didn't, yeah, I just didn't date. And then, and then in college, I went to a women's college, which is hilarious. Again, hilarious. That I still did not come to terms with it, but it was a very small school. It was um, uh, honestly not a lot of gay people were there. It was a lot of girls whose boyfriends went to NC State or they were looking for a a future husband. And so I didn't even think about 
dating really. I sort of threw myself into school and I was like in the theater and I was, I played on the soccer team and on the tennis team and I was studied all the time. So I just packed my life so much that it didn't allow myself to be bummed out that I wasn't dating. So it's just something I sort of like kind of put on the back burner and lived my life. And then once I moved to LA, that's when it started to sort of, I mean, I can again, look back and see, Oh, I was really intense about <laughs> this person or that person. Duh. Tank tops. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> You're like, I was really emotional with that one friend all yeah. the time. Yeah. I have mine. Her name is Lizzie and we're Instagram <laughs> friends now. I don't know if she listens to this, but I was like obviously in love right. with Lizzie Burr. I like look back on it and I'm like, I was so upset when she went away to boarding oh, yeah. school for high school. I will never forget just like hysterically crying on the street. And I'm like, why was I such a fucking crazy person? I'm like, oh, because I like, I kept thinking I wanted to be her right, all these right. years. I'm like, no, I was like actually in love with her. Also, I think she listens to this podcast and now I'm really regretting this, but it's fine. I mean, I do think there, especially with homosexuality, like there is a level of, you know, it's kind of reasons why like sometimes with lesbian couples, they start to morph into each mm -hmm. other and wear the same things. It's like, cause you're seeing this reflection of yourself in really its truest form. And I think certainly in high school or certainly maybe before you're even, you know, emotionally and intellectually developed, it's hard to quantify what that crush feels right. like. You're like, yeah. do I just love this as a friend or what's going on? So you went to LA and then like, we're like, yeah, I'm fucking well, you, women I, it or was, how did that? It wasn't even... Uh, I I was in LA for two years still before finally coming to terms with it. Late bloomer, which must have, considering West Hollywood, it must have I been bonkers for my fr friends early on. They were probably like, "This girl, yeah, like, like, how does she not?" Yeah. <laughs> no, because I remember being in an improv class with this one guy who was clearly you. You you know, as a gay person, you just kind of you kind of know you suss out each other. You sort of know when each other's uh when when your family and um this guy was like no i am not gay and you're like oh oh okay yeah and you're like if he's not he's not but then of course like two years right. later he's like oh yeah i'm so gay you're like people just have to kind of come to terms with it in their own time because it's hard for some people they a lot of people worry about how their families will react how you know will they be uh, shunned at work i mean everyone just assume everyone assumed once gay marriage was passed that oh well we're good you know it's not an issue anymore and yeah no way and then you kind no. of have to remind people like you know there's still plenty of people getting kicked out of their houses for it you know for being gay and so we're we're by no means uh just completely accepted so i think i had that similar fear of not knowing how my family would react and and also just accepting it myself, just kind of like realizing that's, oh, that's what it is, you know. But then once you come to terms with it, uh, again, I talked about that in my special. I really did watch a Lifetime movie. And um, <laughs> <laughs> Lifetime has helped so many people. I mean, do you remember the title? Oh, of the 100%. Movie? The Truth About Jane. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the truth was that she was a lesbian. <laughs> And you're like, well, oh. I, well, leading up to it started to sort of peel, like unpeeling itself uh, in the like probably like six months leading up to that, where I like was turning on TV and they were airing the local pride parade. And I was like, oh, it's the gay. This is gay pride weekend. That's interesting. And I'm watching the parade. I'm just sort of soaking it all up. Um, and because honestly, it sounds so naive, but. Again, I grew up in a place, even in college, I didn't see any gay people. I didn't know any gay people. I didn't see anyone holding hands. And all of a sudden I moved to LA and I'm seeing gay people walk down the street holding hands, their neighbors, they're at work. No one's thinking twice about it. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And then you start to go, oh, it's not the scary thing. They're just, everyone's just, they're as normal as anyone. And, um, so I had to accept it myself. And then, uh, and then the L word came out <laughs> and I remember like watching that, like I shut my door and like locked it and I'm watching it. Like my head's exploding, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and so it was definitely 
coming to the surface. And then I watched that Lifetime movie and the Lifetime movie I was about this young girl who realized she was gay and she went through this journey of it all. And uh, at the end of the movie, it was, in fact, the first time I said out loud and no one was in the room, but I was like, oh, my God, I, I'm I'm gay. And that sort of, oh, wow, you know, I burst out of my shell. It was like this huge weight was lifted, like that mu- that missing puzzle piece from that. I can go all the way back to the beginning of like, oh, that's why so and so didn't like you. That's why this right. didn't work out. That's why you sobbed when your friend moved away, you know, like, uh, I know, right. I'm like, yeah. So it, it made me feel less, I don't know if crazies are right. Cause you do feel a little, like you're like, something's yeah. wrong with me. I mean, I guess I'm a little bit different. I consider myself, I guess, bisexual. We talk about that a lot on the show, which now after doing all these episodes, I'm like, I don't even know <laughs> if I'm bisexual anymore. To be honest with you, people will have like other people on the show talk about things. I'm like, well, if I would quantify myself but anyway but you know I think it is interesting to like look back at your life Mm -hmm. and you know we make fun of the friends that we were really into but also thinking about maybe just moments where we were uncomfortable or I think a lot of guests will talk about their full potential and what kind of happened Mm -hmm. once they did come to terms with it did you feel like once you came to terms with that part of your life, that's when, you know, maybe comedy or Mm -hmm. your career kind of started to take off. Was that something that happened or? Well, interestingly, the me coming out and starting comedy happened the same year. Uh, So I, I look back to that year, uh, 2005 as like, it almost feels like a a rebirth. (laughs) I know that sounds very cheesy, but I feel like a, I became in a certain, to a certain extent, a different person. Um, And, me finally being who I truly was allowed for my comedy to have no, nothing was standing in my way of finding my voice, telling the audience who I was. Cause I finally knew who I was, but I was also sharing my journey of figuring it all out. Um, and I, I think that for people who haven't come out, I, I'm never going to be one of those people that are like, you got to come out, like, you know, like yelling at people. <laughs> I do know, and I think we can all attest to this from our personal experiences, that if when people live their truth, it is the most beneficial to them. Uh, mm-hmm. And they, the peace that will come from not having to hide parts of yourself to anyone, uh, there's a lot of light and lightness that comes from that. So I highly just recommend that people, if they're even feeling like that could be a possibility, look into it, whatever that means to you. You're not saying you got to go on a date or kiss somebody, but allow yourself to feel these things because, you know, it could be holding you back in ways you never imagined. So for me, it just kind of let me go. It just kind of let me, I, I just felt like such peace, such lightness, and it just allowed me to just be myself. And I think that has benefited my comedy tremendously because the one thing people always say is that you're authentic to who you are. Right. And people can pick up on that, I think, so easily just in an interview or just in comedy, especially. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, though, like going back to your hometown and maybe, in, you mm-hmm. know, in the South and where it maybe doesn't necessarily feel as accepted or you didn't have a, like, what's it like going back there now mm-hmm. being this really like a role model for a lot of people, but certainly, you know, an out, very out person. Is it any different now? She's and famous as fuck. I'm just <laughs> oh, saying God. though, like, <laughs> do they have a whole parade? They must have a whole parade when they come through. No, I'm just kidding. It's the South. So I have a, I have a, tend to have a, you know, I think the South is very different well, from the Northeast. Where I, I will grew up say this. I don't like to, I will, I don't name name. I don't name States. Cause I don't like to group everybody into one thing. Cause you know, I never let one bad apple ruin the bunch. I feel uh, unsafer in other States that are not in the South than I've ever felt in the South. Uh, so I think people get a little, um, they they kind of tend to think that it's that area that's a little more closed-minded and and not as progressive and that's not i'm not saying that's not the case there's plenty there there's a lot of places right. in the south that got to come up with the times you know but uh i've been in other states you would never think 
that that would be an issue where I, you know, Jackson, I've kind of looked at each other like, did that just happen? And, you know, cause I'm on the road, I go, you know, in, nor- in normal times, I travel all over the United States and uh, there are certain uh, places I've been very surprised where I'm like, we got it. We should probably leave this bar. <laughs> um, right, and I'm yeah. kind of, I, I always get surprised by that. And it happened not too long, like this past year when I was on tour. But as far as something that makes you uncomfortable, though, or is it like that, being, like calling you names or something? It's like, more is the it... vi- well, it's more the vibe. Okay. And then how people, uh, certain people have treated uh, Jackson very feminine. I'm clearly gay and they treated her when she was by herself one way and then we'd gone in then we went in together and that person was very rude from then on out yeah. to both of us gotcha. uh and and again that's what you know you're talking about one person but then we went to another place and the vibe was very people were staring at us and you're like oh, okay we're probably gonna go and that is not the case uh you know most times it's very cool but as far as my experience in in my hometown I never feel out of place in my hometown because um people I've I'm fifth generation Belmont which is where I'm from everyone knows me everyone knows my family and uh so even before I was on TV they truly were just so proud that I was chasing my dreams they were like they couldn't believe that you know, a lot of people assume you go to LA, you try it for like a year, you're probably going to move back home. That's kind of, I think the mentality. And they, you know, once I'd been out here two years, three years, they're kind of like, Whoa, you're really, you're really doing it. And, uh, or try, you know, I wasn't making any money, but they were just so impressed that I was paying my bills, making it, you know, and, uh, the hardest part of starting standup is finding stage time. So they would let me perform my crappy routine in uh the back of like bars in town and like 100 people would show up 200 people would show up they'd pay five bucks and i you know i was broke oh i love that pretty great yeah. i was broke so you're talking about getting you know 500 bucks 700 bucks i it was like oh my god like my head was just like this is insane because in la you were lucky to get like <laughs> 20 bucks to perform so they said you know that helped me a ton uh, and it allowed me to do longer sets and they did that a lot. So, uh, once I finally, um, got my hour special, it was important for me to shoot it at home. Uh, cause it felt like a full circle moment. And a lot of people that had come to those early shows were there and it was cool to get to share this, like this big experience with them. That's really cool. Yeah. That's I, I'm curious, like, cause you kind of alluded to this before, like when you came out, were your friends or family being like, yeah? Like, <laughs> how did they react? Like, were they like, oh, uh, you're clutching their pearls? Like, oh, yeah. were they like, yeah, we knew before you did. Like, how? what was your reaction uh, like? My brothers uh, were very much like, duh. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, right. and then you think, well, why did this never get brought up? I don't know how I would have reacted. You know, I might have been very defensive and been like, you're crazy. Um, I love dudes. <laughs> but we, it just never came up. They never broached that subject with me. Apparently they had asked my mom at one point, uh, but my mom was genuinely shocked, <laughs> which I find hysterical because I go, because it was just a testament to how, so, you know, sometimes you your mom doesn't, your parents don't know you as well as you w- w- hope they would or thought they would. And I, I think for her, she was always kind of wanting me to be a certain, she had a, she had a dream of what a daughter would be. And I mean, my first name's Emily. How dainty can you get? <laughs> you know, that's such a classic girl's name. And um, I grew up with like, she had my closet packed with dresses those Olin Mills pictures where I'm in like bonnets and I'm holding like I've seen those bird. on your I social. I need a fortune bonnet picture. <laughs> oh, it's on her. It's on her Instagram. It's that's the thumbnail for this yes. episode. Liz does the graphics. I'm gonna make sure she does a I bonnet. Will. I look like a porcelain doll. <laughs> Actually, though, well, I want you to. What I would say is, you and I were both debutantes, mm-hmm. and so I might have to rip your debutante photo <laughs> sure. and have just yes. the two and just have the two of us as sure, debutantes. Yeah. 
Yeah, she had she made me be a debutante because it you know to bring honor to our family name. Even though we were so (laughs) poor, we could you know you're like, how are we gonna pay for this? And you come home and the couch is missing. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So so, uh, she just you know that's for Christmases she would give me these giant makeup kits, and and you think any other girl would be like so stoked to get a giant thing of makeup and i'm just looking at her like what <laughs> <So> <laughs> you could have had an unboxing career on I youtube know. fortune so i could call is good call. i think what coming out did i mean i for her she was never like upset about it or mad about it she her biggest thing was I don't want life to be harder for you than it has to be. And this automatically puts a, I don't know what you would call a target on your back. That's kind of, you know, that's the, I'm being a little dramatic, but that's kind of what her thought process was. And it requires your parents to shift their view of what their dream was for you. Um, And so once she finally, kind of accepted like oh this is who she is it really did our relationship shifted because she finally was seeing me for me no more makeup kids (laughs) (laughs) just like soccer balls constantly you're like definitely a puka shell necklace in there 100 i mean unicorn keychains i go okay you're you're going too far amazing like lisa frank or something um also fun fact darren that you might not know Fortune did me a solid and I had a show that I produced at MySpace called Five Minutes to Stage and Fortune fucking did one That's with right. me and it got like millions of views. Remember <laughs> yeah, that? That was cool. It was. It was really cool. That's Just, awesome. It was. Great, Side Fortune. Note. Thanks for fucking <laughs> yeah. doing nothing for me. <laughs> oh, the, it, no, this it was is, really, this it was great. the start of favors. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Trust me. Fortune, I, I've been bugging Fortune for a while. I'm like, please come on our scissoring show. She's like, do we have to talk I about go, scissoring? I'm like, no. I don't have to talk about scissoring. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't. Um, but I feel like you've, I mean, even since we've been, since I've known you, I mean, your career is just like crazy taken off. The Mindy Project, like your own show. What was that like writing a pilot about your family life and I remember kind of watching from the rafters uh-huh. that going on with you and was so excited for you what was that moment like because a lot of people don't get the opportunity to write a pilot about their life how was that for you I mean that was kind of like the pinnacle for me I, I I was so I don't know it was in awe that it was happening too like I, what had happened is I had left Chelsea lately uh, to do a Tina Fey pilot um, for Fox and it was a really funny pilot, a great ensemble cast and it was supposed to get picked up. Uh, and then the pre- long story short, the president of the network got fired. The whole show fell apart and I was so bummed out because the whole reason of leaving Chelsea to do that show was I was really trying to shift more into acting because that was always my dream um, was to, to act and to be on camera and um so once i realized that that show wasn't going forward i was like oh my god i i was so bummed for the loss of because uh, you think like i'm gonna get to work with tina fey for the next however yeah. many however long and then it just goes away in a blink of an eye and so i knew i had her ear for like 2.2 <laughs> seconds and I have this like survivalist mode that kicks in once I don't have a job. <laughs> I go, I'm kind of in it again right now in the pandemic. I go, oh, my whole tour got wiped out. Uh, what can I do? And I'm like creating again. Yeah, right. So I was at that place where I didn't have a job. I was like, oh my God, I've got to figure this out. And so I just sat at my computer, created the show and I pitched it to the guy who had written that pilot. And I said, Hey, do you, you know, would you be interested in doing the show with me? It's about my family. And we, you know, seeing if Tina would be into to producing that. And he goes, yeah, you know, he worked on it with me and we pitched it to her over the phone, her and Robert Carlock, her writing partner. And uh, it was on, it's funny because it was on zoom, which at the time or whatever FaceTime or whatever it, this, cause this was 2014 or 15 at the time you we were like this is awkward having meetings <laughs> on camera uh but they said yes and it, and we uh we got offers from all the networks uh and ended up going with abc 
because I had just sold a pilot to them a couple years prior and got to start developing it and it got the green light to to shoot the pilot and so all, that was the trippiest thing because they just throw up this production office where suddenly uh, the name of it was family fortune so every person's office had family fortune every golf cart had family fortune so cool. so there's cool. pas there you're just like oh my god this is like what I'm like from a tiny town of 5,000 people. This, this is so crazy. And we got this amazing cast. I got, I played myself and then, um, Annie, Annie <laughs> Potts played my mom from, you know, which is crazy. Yeah, that's that's amazing. like the craziest. Crazy. Yeah, I know. The fact that <laughs> a designing woman was playing yeah, a, right. a, my mom <laughs> and her name was even my mom's name, Ginger, John Carroll Lynch played my dad. He's a really amazing actor. Someone that you would know because he's been in a thousand things if you saw his picture. Uh, Lacey Chabert was in it uh, from Party Five Mean Girls. Very cool. Chris Redd, who's now on SNL, we we were like his first job. And uh, so I like to think I discovered him. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we shot it for a week and I got to be in the writer's room every day with a bunch of like 30 rock writers because they all go help each other out. Uh, on punch-ups and it uh tina was there on tape day giving notes and she would the whole development process she would get on the phone a lot she was very hands-on and and it was the greatest experience of my life i at the end of shooting the pilot i like sobbed on set on the stage uh in front of like to the director because you were just like it meant so much and then um yeah, we edited it, and then like three weeks later, we got told no. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't move on. And that show and is, it, yeah. It that's probably to this day the hardest no I've ever gotten because I've gotten a million no's, but it crushed me because it was so personal, obviously. But you right. got a taste of what this would have been like, and it was such a funny show, such a wonderful experience, and execs were like it tested so high but there was no room for it and it was one of those showbiz things where you have all the elements but the one thing i know of right um, and i don't think people like understand sometimes mm -hmm. and thank you for sharing all of the details of it because one it's so fucking cool regardless of anything Mm -hmm. but uh showbiz is so fucking weird like people don't realize like so much stuff gets made and then it doesn't you know what for whatever reason that doesn't make sense it doesn't go but it didn't stop you because like look at all the amazing things that have happened yeah i mean mean, you know you know all the no's you hope lead to yeses and i've been lucky in that case one of the 30 rock writers who helped with the punch-ups was a writer on the Mindy project and she recommended me to Mindy. And so that that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Um, so, you know, I had to just sort of, you take it on the chin, uh, you lick your wounds and then, then you get a phone call out of the blue from Mindy Kaling. And she's like, Hey, do you want, it was supposed to be a three episode guest star. I think she, this was like maybe th- three months after that happened after the no. Uh, so I probably had a summer of, drinking and eating a lot <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then i started working on on her show and that three guest star led to nine guest stars and then that led to three seasons of a series regular so i ended up i would not have had that experience otherwise so you think it sucks that this thing didn't happen i guess it wasn't meant to be for whatever reason and your dream kind of has to shift i mean i tested twice for snl back in the day that was always my dream and uh, yeah. 2009 and 2010, I went out. To, they flew me out two summers in a row to test for Saturday Night Live, and you think you th- you're so close, and then it doesn't happen, and you you, you shift your dream again. You know that's kind of what this business is is always sort of moving with the yeses and the noes, and having to navigate that. Yeah. Yeah. I always say life is what happens sort of when you're making other plans, right? <laughs> like you look back on something and you're like, oh shit, I was working my whole way for this one thing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even fucking know that I was doing that. But showbiz is kind of like, I mean, with anything in life, but it's kind of like relationships, right? Like 
it could be the it could be an amazing person. Mm-hmm. It could be an amazing relationship, but it's just not the right time for yeah. you. Or it's not like oh, this. 100%. It's not like that. Like, yeah. I can't, and me being in television, like I can't, th- I can't, especially at Bravo. Like there's so many shows that would kill today mm-hmm. that were shitty as all hell ten years ago, right? Yeah. You know, and like sometimes that's yeah. timing is everything. But I think to your point, I mean, what a cool position to be in to like. It sucks because it's like everyone would be like, well, at least you got to sit in with Tina Fey for a week. And you're like, yeah, it's great, but I'm so fucking devastated yeah, about right. it. No, like give me this <laughs> devastation a little bit, even though it's a really cool thing to be devastated. Yeah, right. Exactly. You yeah, know, at the end of the day, you think, thing. well, at least so many people don't get to shoot their pilot. I at least got to shoot it. Right. And uh, yeah, I learned a lot from it and you just have to keep going. You, I guess you become a little less precious about projects the longer you're in the in the biz as they say uh i've been i've sold two movies since then and um they're oh, casual too. Yeah, Liz too. i do i do, I do love though fortune was like yeah like i had sold this pilot to the network like just but which which by the way like yeah she's like casual flex like yeah two movies <laughs> couple pilots Spielberg's company yeah to amblin to steven Spielberg. yeah Casual. I also think what I've learned the most from Fortune in this conversation is if I'm going to write a TV pilot, I got to have my name in Mm -hmm. it. So when it gets picked up, you know, it's like Darren's world everywhere Everywhere. on trailers and shit. And like really brings your ego up, you know, like family fortune. (laughs) Come on, that's fucking perfect. That's pretty cool. Do you feel like since your comedy, you talk a lot about like coming out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've watched the special, which is great. Obviously I've seen your standup before, but, uh, wasn't your character in the Mindy Project straight? Uh, she was in the beginning, and then she comes out. And then she comes yeah. out? Okay, that's right. I always <laughs> thought that was kind of funny because you tell one joke that I've always loved where you're like, you know, my best friend. <laughs> you know, you're like freaking yeah. out, um, kind of like me and Lizzie Brewer. Exactly. Oh, my God, please. <laughs> I got to just double down on this because I have a horrible I know, you said her last name too listen. now. You have doubled down. Oh, I, tell, I, I throw out government <laughs> names. I don't give a fuck. I don't. I really fortune. I don't care. You know. You've known me long enough to know. I really that's don't give true. a fuck. Um, you might not, but they might. And that's, I think that's the point. I know, but I'm not saying anything no, bad. Like no, who cares? You didn't say I mean, anything about her. Um, but I did love kind of the nuanced character from the mini. Was that fun for you, kind of playing that role where it was like? Is it like, cause she always wore pearls. Uh-huh. Yeah. She was like a, she had a very, she was very close with her brother played by Garrett Dillahunt. Yes. And he, they, they would write these funny things where you would discover more and more of their idiosyncrasies that he would like curl my hair every morning. And uh, yes. so <laughs> I, my whole arc was like tied to being from this really um, fucked up Southern family. Uh, like our mother sat and uh, would, would sit in a rocking chair all day staring at a wall. Like you would learn these really yeah. crazy things. And then eventually uh, it's that I, I finally come out. That show was so fun for me because it was my first experience where uh, you know, Mindy um, obviously is an actress and is very successful at that. But she really is precious about writing and, and the writer's room. Like writing is her true passion, I think. And so um, a lot of a lot of places that hire me, they're kind of like, here are the, here are the pages, but just, you know, kind of do your thing. And, um, and, but there, the, the writing's so good and you can tell so much thought went into it. You didn't really veer off from the page. So it was, it required me to be a better actor. How do I deliver their lines, you know, in a way that's, uh, where I'm not just like being a, version of myself fortune which is what happens right. when you're allowed to improvise you start kind of throwing your own thing into it right so that made me I really appreciated that experience because it made me you know grow and learn and and it was just fun to like not know what was coming and to see where the character went uh, but also it's fun because of comedy you know it's kind of light you're not having to like you know what is my backstory you're just like here's a really fun show and true but like the curling of the hair the yeah. mom and the rock like those all those like small mm-hmm. details of backstory actually is what keeps building yeah. and building yeah exactly and they, do that, and they did that so well and the, and the and the fans of the show would always like chuckle about the things that would be revealed every time 
I'm curious, you know, you sort of said that like your coming out story kind of coincided with your comedy career. And, you know, there's probably no surprise to mm-hmm. that, like just because you, people can read authenticity so well. But how has being gay in the comedy world like served you? Do you find that especially when you came out, it separated you from maybe the other women that were doing it? Or do you find it's like, eh, who cares? Like how much of it do you really try to incorporate in your set even today i mean it it ends up being uh uh, quite a bit of my like at least my last special because it was such a part of my journey uh but i try not to i i don't want to be that comic that only talks about that i don't want to be that comic that just relies on that and i you know the comic that only wants to perform to gay audiences I I made a concerted effort when I started stand-up is I knew I was gay and I knew I was going to be talking about being gay part of the time. And there were a lot of gay shows popping up where like, you know, like we're saying these nights at the improv or Akbar would be like, it's, you know, gays are us or this. And so I would love doing those shows because I loved performing for people that had a similar road as mine. But then I was like, I got to, I got to learn how to perform for the bros at two in the morning. Uh, That's the only way I'm going to get better. So I started at the comedy store and that's where I learned stand up. And it was hard. I, I I was doing shows at one in the morning for four drunk guys. And this wasn't during the comedy boom. The the place was a ghost town. Now the shit now, well, not at our current moment, but up until the pandemic, the every room is sold out at the comedy store and uh and people were just eating comedy up left and right when i started it was just like all right make us laugh uh and because i forced myself to to do that and sort of take this harder road it made me a much better comic so i went from starting stand up in 2007 to i started headlining in 2010 I never did the normal trajectory is you learn how to do it. Eventually you start opening for people or featuring for people, opening for people, then you headline. So I skipped like four years because I purposefully tried to make it harder for myself in the beginning. If that makes sense. Yeah. Nothing good in life is easy. And so usually like the right decisions are the harder decisions, you know, anything that's going to be worth it is going to be a hard decision. Mm-hmm. So even if you're fast tracking it, you're sort of compounding all the difficulty early. And on, I didn't which... even mean to fast track it. I just was doing what I thought you did. I, I just was like, oh, stand up comedy store. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so, but some people don't feel accepted there. Like that's why the alternative scene started with comedy they thought ah this is so broy this is so this and that i'm going to go to these other places where it's a little more experimental or there's a uh, more diversity in the crowd people are more this or that and uh and i do i just try to do both cuz i was like i want to learn how to appeal to everybody and the only reason i fast tracked was because again our mutual friend Paige Hurwitz uh started uh brought back last comic standing and they asked if I wanted to try out it was only two and a half years in the stand-up and I go yeah sure I'll I'll try it and then I went from being a two and a half year brand new comic to headlining uh and that's the only reason it was fast track because I I would have liked that middle time to learn from headliners that's what opening does for you is that you get to go up there and do 20 minutes for a headliner and you get to absorb how they do everything, how they do meet and greets, how they do merch, how they do hotel. You know, it was good, but it was like, Oh crap. I got to learn how to be a headliner. I, I you're yeah, like, right. how does this meet and greet work? Yeah, like what? <laughs> I was just like, it's like going from like internship to doctor. Like, about. Oh, fuck, I gotta fix people. Yeah, yeah like shit. But you just is there it out. anything when you when you look back, maybe professionally, comedically, but also personally, that you learn now that you wish you could have told your younger self? I used to think that I would want to tell myself at 19 that I'll be okay that that I'll figure it out but I don't know if I would have had the drive and the hunger mm, I was so fair. driven and I I I worked I never had one job I'd always have multiple jobs and I was never in like one sketch troupe I was in three I never did one improv show I did five because I always had this fear that I wouldn't be able to pay my bills 
that because I, I yeah. came from a family that had money, a lot of money back in the day and then lost everything by the time I was born. And so my mom lived in this world of like, she grew up rich and now she's very poor and she didn't know how to navigate it. And I just sort of didn't even realize I was taking that in of like, uh, how do I never do what they did? How do I never um, put myself in the position of having and then having nothing? Uh, And so I think mentally I thought, okay, you will always work hard. You will always do four times what's required of you uh, so that you are never in that position. So if I told myself at 19, you're going to be just fine. I might not have had that. Fair enough. So maybe I would have just told myself uh, that I was gay uh, so that I could have at least <laughs> enjoyed college in that way. College? Dating. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> an all-girls school. Come on. That all-girls school. I, I might have gotten kicked out of school, though. They were very strict. Oh, well, about kiss. like spend the night stuff, you know, not about being gay. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> and you're like, we just have to work on this project yeah. all, all night, night long. Do you want to have a sleepover? <laughs> yes. Pillow fights. Um, yes, yes, yes. Well, you said in the beginning of this interview that during the pandemic, you've been extra productive. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us some of the things that you've been working on? Yeah. What's next yeah, for Fortune? What's next? Well, I've been working every day, thankfully. Uh, well, because I did, but thanks to my Netflix special, Sweet and Salty, if you haven't watched it, yeah, uh, I had six months of theater shows already sold out. This is, I've been touring for 10 years. This is the first time I've done the, made it to the theater level. And then they all sold out and they were adding like second and third shows. And I was just like, what? My head was like exploding. I couldn't believe it. And then the night before I was to get on a plane to do my very first show of the tour, it all went bye-bye. Um, but, you know, everyone's, oh God. everyone's had a, been affected. So you can't be like, oh, poor me, because like who me, hasn't yeah, right. had really awful things happen? Uh, I just have to, at the end of the day, be like, we're healthy, we're good. So uh, once I stopped being a baby about that... Um, <laughs> I started writing a lot more. Oh, but I was going to say, I've been doing my radio show every morning. I do a radio show with yeah. Tom Papa uh, for um, Netflix yeah. on uh, Sirius XM channel 93. So that's every morning and reruns in the <laughs> afternoon. So that was nice because it really gave me structure uh, when everything else was kind of falling down around us. I didn't wear a bra for the first month. Sick. That's free. Thank you. Yeah, that sounds very nice. I yeah. didn't wear pants. <laughs> I just like really kept it yeah. real cozy, the cozy. Every night has been for fortune That's not wearing right. a bra for, got a, one, for a month. I, They're like, yeah. I started back though. Now I'm trying to be a, okay. Um, uh, now I'm trying to be a, an adult again. Uh, but I'm writing again. Uh, the the guys that I sold those other movies with were working on a new movie script. Uh, so I'm doing that and um, working on another TV script idea. So I've been working on that. What, oh, a lot of voiceover actually. Oh, amazing! Yeah, yeah, that's a world I started getting more involved in in the last uh, like two years. It started with a Cartoon Network show, and and then I got this show called Bless the Hearts that's on Fox, and um, that I did an episode of The Simpsons, uh, which was really cool. And th- that is yeah, really cool. Awesome. But then right now during the pandemic voiceover is like one of the few things that was able to keep going animated stuff. So I've been getting some new gigs. And so it's been a lot of talking into mics every day. Amazing. Uh, That's yeah, awesome. So That's in so the incredible. last like month I've been as bu- The only difference is I'm not on a plane every weekend, but I've almost been as busy than the last month that I have in normal time. Well, I'm sure the dogs and Jacks appreciate you not on a plane yes. all yeah, the right. goddamn yes. time. Dogs especially. We're just well, we appreciate you making the time oh, to yeah, come on our show. Course. You know, talking into a mic poor, for us. Poor Fortune. She can then, run, but well, she we can't spo- hide. She knew. We were supposed to do this <laughs> right before all, everything shut yes. down. Yes, March. And, and I yeah. had to reschedule because I was gearing up for that tour, and it was insane. Yep. I was having. We were trying to order merch and. We had all this, trying to do all this stuff to get ready for that tour. And a week later, everything just was like, went away. And you go, oh. I know. I actually thought about that because you were very kind and sent me an email. You're like, I literally just can't pull Uh, this off. And honestly, if 
for no matter what industry you're in, when you really are at that max capacity and you're just like, yo, I cannot mm-hmm. do, you know, I think everybody's you like, best. Yeah. Yeah, we get it. Right. But I remember thinking, cause we, so we in per, like together, Darren and I did our last episode the fucking day before mm-hmm. Garcetti was like, nah, y'all going yeah, home. Yeah. So I flew home on like March 8th home. and March 11th. Uh-huh. It was like, nope. Uh-huh. I was like, okay. And I thought of you, I was like, damn, I should have made fortune. Just get her <laughs> ass up in here anyway. But we're so thankful to have you. We were honored oh, to thank have you. Guys you. Thank for you so much for taking me. the time. And if you're down, maybe another day in person, we can have you and Jax if she wants to come on the show back yeah. on. But you will... Uh, it's uh, maybe we have to go record at your house because I want the Feimster neon sign in the background. Yes. Um, will you call out your socials and everything so people oh, can yeah. find uh, it? Fortunefeimster.com. Eventually, I will go on tour again. Uh, all those shows are rescheduled <laughs> for the fall. We kind of are just seeing how that will unfold. Uh, I am. I, if people like tour posters, I am selling those online. Yes. And, yeah. uh, then I Instagram is Fortunefeimster. I'm pretty active on there um so yeah check right. it out i like to dance with ice cream you do <laughs> like to well actually that Who was a, that was a question i was going to ask you and we had um natasha and freya mm-hmm. on the show cool house. which that ep- yeah, hey, cool, cool house. house our homies um which will eventually come out um it's in the bank of all of those pre-quarantine episodes mm-hmm. that we recorded but when are you gonna have your ice cream flavor or ice like what the I fuck know, where is a, the ice cream flavor that's a mystery i don't well, yeah, I fortune have these, creamster I works oh, fortune God. what creamster fortune creamster hilarious <laughs> What a, Thank you. Trademark. Five percent of proceeds one of, go to one me. One of these uh, ice cream yeah. companies needs to get on it. But if you were to have an ice cream flavor, mm-hmm. ooh, good one. What would it be? I mean, it probably should have like fortune cookies in it, right? Definitely. Uh, I don't okay. know what that tastes like, but <laughs> add some caramel, some chocolate, you know, something like that. A little. Like a little cookie for the crunch, but then like like vanilla ice cream with some chocolate and caramel. Yum. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm into little, it. Little I like sea, it. I want sea salt. It. You have to say sea oh. salt. Ooh. Is that yes. To make right. it artisan. Well, sweet and yes. salty. <laughs> which everyone should watch on Netflix if you see. haven't. Oh, yes. that should be the ice but cream. Sweet and salty. And salty. I know. I just said yeah, it. I know. That's, that's right. That you saying that made me say <laughs> that. Yeah, you're right. That's what it should be. Oh, girl. Thank you, Fortune. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. See you next Tuesday.